Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Marriage is Tougher Than Woodpecker Lips podcast. This is Brian. And I'm Paul. We'd like to welcome you to a community meant for the men of the world to share our thoughts and perspectives on marriage. We can learn from each other's experiences and help each other be better husbands. Now, let's get right into the show. So we are going to approach the topic on communication styles and the background on the difference of men and women and how we communicate with each other in general and in marriage. I guess to start this, I'll ask you, Brian, what are the differences that you see in communication styles in men and women? And I know we're not all monoliths. I know there's different spectrums and different extremes, but in general, in your experience, because we can only speak from our experiences, what do you see as the difference in communication with men and women? Yeah. So the first thing that jumps out at me is our experience coming up where we took pride in communicating without saying anything. Wow, Similar thoughts. Good. Yeah. Just looking at each other, making eye contact and be like, yep. Yeah, I know you're <laughs> thinking what I'm thinking. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's keep it pushing. <laughs> and Thinking about that and how much women are, I guess, taught to, but maybe, I guess maybe the better way to put it is need to verbalize their communication always, right? I know there's times where my wife will call me in the middle of the day and it might just be to hear my voice in my man brain as I'll keep saying it probably for as long as we do this podcast. I'm thinking... I'm in a mental space of work and Mm. I, when she calls me, I'm typically thinking, all right, there's either a problem or there's something that she needs to say. Okay. Go ahead and say it. Now I'm going to get back to work, but that's never how the conversation Mm. really goes is, Hey, what's going on? How's work? It's work. It's what's up. (laughs) Oh, your kids are here. They want to talk to you. Oh, okay. Hey kids. What's up? But we go through that whole thing and then I'm still waiting for the punchline. Like, all right, is something wrong or like, no, nah, just say hi. And that's so weird. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> I'm working. So I definitely have to be better at that, at, if you want to call it comp- compartmentalizing, my wife's calling and she may just want to say hi because she loves me. And maybe there's not something wrong. Maybe she just loves me so much that she wants to hear my voice and I haven't spoken to her in hours. And that's normal. But I guess as far as differences are concerned, man. I don't know. I feel like it's natural for women to just say everything that's on their mind. As a man, I know I'm more comfortable just locking it up Mm -hmm. and it could be positive. It could be negative, whichever it is more times than not, I'm comfortable. But that is to say also I am an introvert at heart. So I'm, I'm comfortable being alone. Mm -hmm. I am comfortable just being in my head and I can't say one way or another if that's healthy or not, but it feels right to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll throw it back to you. Um, yeah. I, I think I'll echo what you're saying, but unfortunately you have two introverts on a podcast. Now that you said <laughs> that, I was like, Oh, that's something I didn't even think about. I think it, the difference is, being comfortable with explaining feelings. I don't think that men typically, this is, sorry, this is a big, I'm not about generalizations, but this is a big generalization topic, but men typically aren't taught to 
express their feelings. But I will say this, having married a single mom and a single mom who understands that her child is brown, being able to make space for a voice. I see that now as he's 23, that was a wonderful avenue to foster a place where he could express his emotions. Because we even have conversations now that are like, I'm really feeling this. Like we have a space. We've always made space for him to say whatever and how he feels. And she taught him really well how to articulate that. That space, when it's cultivated, can be done for males. And I see it happening out. And I think even with his girlfriend now, she gets the benefits of that. Like he's able to articulate and express. So that helps in their relationship. So I think typically we're not fostered. We're not, we're not taught, we're not giving space to express what our emotions are. I think females, generally speaking, are given that space. Obviously, there are some that aren't due to life circumstances and having to take on responsibilities or whatever. But I think they, they know how and, and when to do it generally better than we do. So I think that can cause a place of friction within the marriage space for sure. You got me thinking there is a very good friend of mine whom I work with and the roles are actually reversed in their marriage where he's the communicator and his wife struggles. And if I hear him correctly, almost refuses to communicate in many moments, which has been you know a constant struggle for them that we talk about pretty often, actually. So it goes both ways, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, it just seems... So strange to me, but it's to your point is all how you're raised mm-hmm. and your life experiences. I think, as I've said before on the podcast, grew up in a single parent home. I think I was considered like the the smart guy of the family or whatever <clears throat> and didn't have many interactions with my mom about homework or anything like that. I had some teachers in my younger ages that would hold me accountable for like schoolwork and things. But once I got to a certain age, it was just the expectation that I had done what I needed to do because there was some coursework in grade school that my mother felt that, you know, she couldn't help me with because I I was in an advanced school. Then that just became like the expectation that, Mm -hmm. Brian has it. And I think that may have played a role in the way I communicate or don't communicate because I guess what was fostered is you're on your own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I got used to just being in my own mental space and being up in my room, just doing me. Mm-hmm. But that also goes to, sorry, as I'm like connecting all the dots of what I've gone through and like how mm-hmm. I behave, having that space realizing now that I've been an introvert for a very long time, having someone penetrate your safe space, it could be in a loving way or in a harmful way, but I've had to learn and I'm still learning to get comfortable with someone permeating that, that space. And especially when it's in a manner where I'm being forced to communicate that I don't want to even say almost that has in my mind a visceral reaction Mm -hmm. if I'm not ready for it, which leads to me a lot of times just getting angry and probably not even knowing why. But as I'm reflecting on it now, 
that probably has a lot to do with it. Like you can't just come in my space. This is my space. <laughs> Man, that's so wild. How, how does that sound to you? Is that, is that logical? Um, no, that, that makes sense. I wrote down like experiences in growing up. Maybe it because there are both sides. I was talking to my wife about communication, about one of the other episodes that we were recording. And she was like, yeah, it is, guys. She said, but I know a lot of females that don't know how to communicate either. So that's why I say it's a broad generalization. So I think maybe we just walk it back and just say the way you communicate is basically the way you were taught to communicate, not really think. And that's within your from your parents or the the caregivers but also your peers and where you grow up, those things you face as a youth all shape how you're able to communicate. Yeah, I've had actually a lot of thoughts thinking about this because I've been digging into some research about other things, but just like the history, I can speak for the history of kind of America. And uh, I was watching the episode on the black church that PBS put on and was talking about just how everything kind of ties back as far as African-Americans, how we got here and thinking about kids and the generations of like my parents' generation of being seen and not heard type Mm. of thing. And I can only speak from, you know, a black kid perspective on that. But then like the next generation, like our generation and a little older, like we are like, ah, we're not really about that. We're going to give our kids a voice and feel like that. But then obviously like the generation behind us has definitely way more of a voice than we did, even we did, because that's been fostered. But I think if you take that back to slavery and how families were split apart mm-hmm. and how it was trying to protect the family unit to keep it together, like you tried to keep the kids as silent mm-hmm. to say nothing. And then even as slavery was abolished and you had freedoms and liberties being given within the black community and then them again being stripped away five year, five to seven years later. And then all the lynching and stuff that happened is you don't want your kids to say the wrong thing to get themselves in trouble. Right. You know, especially your black boys, you don't want them lynched. Your black girls, you don't want them raped. Like you don't want anything to happen. So it's more of a protective, like, shut up, don't say anything. Like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think that has, that slowly has, that had an effect on how we were taught, even up to the civil rights era, when everything was quote unquote fixed, that was still coming out of that era. Our parents grew up in that still be seen and not heard. So that it's more for protection than anything else. Because it comes back, they say, we want you to be respectful, but it's respectful to who and who has the power to do something if you disrespect them. You know what I mean? Right. So I think We've now like generationally have been walking that back. And now I think we're finally at a space where we're fostering our kids to have a voice Mm -hmm. and realizing everyone has a voice from all aspects and your voice matters. So all that to say, there's a lot of levels to things that happen in communication. And even those, the factors where you grew up, your socioeconomic status, like how do you see the world? Is it more individualistic or is it more communal? That plays a role as well. So a lot of factors so I just spit off all that. So I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Um, so you got me thinking about a place that I got to in work. I want to say it was probably in the range of seven months after George Floyd was killed. I was able to have a conversation with my general manager about the topic and was being mindful of starting those conversations because they needed to be had. And he 
we were alone in his office and he said to me, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. These are conversations that needed to be had. And I had this knee jerk reaction and exploded out. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know it was okay to have this conversation. You know what I mean? With an authority like him, who's white mm-hmm. in that space where we're at work. And I want to say his wife is of some Hispanic descent. And so he tried to, I don't want to say comfort me, but he tried to comfort the situation or the mm-hmm. conversation where he was like, I'll be honest with you, Brian, like with the way I came up and the people I came up around, like this isn't even a thought to me. So you have to be aware of someone else's perception. We've said before, he's like, I, I grew up in a mixed community near Philly. He was like, like for me, this is, I'm just used to talking about stuff like this all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go back to my experience where I grew up in a small town in a private school where primarily everyone was white. And if they weren't, I was probably related to them Mm -hmm. and how big of an impact that played on the way I can expect to be able to communicate or not communicate. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that's pretty much how I was raised. It's either this is a grown folk conversation and you shouldn't be listening to it, number one, right. or saying anything to add to it. But I, I feel I found myself pushing up against that barrier more mm-hmm. times than not because I understood all of the things that they were talking about. Once I got to a certain age, which was probably like fairly or conservatively eight years old. So once I started understanding and they stopped trying to spell words around me because I understood what they were saying or spelling, I almost felt the need to cross that boundary and put in my two cents. I, I wanted to feel heard. And there were a lot of times where I had a valuable perspective that I felt that I just needed to get out. Now, those weren't always received well. I remember my one uncle at the kitchen table with my grandmother and my mother and I want to say maybe another uncle. We were having a conversation about what he was going to name his hauling business. And I put in my two cents and they're like, oh, wow, like that's yeah, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You know what I mean? So that gave me a lot of validation in speaking up, which I think I find myself now interjecting myself into other people's conversation <laughs> far too often. But yeah, man, I, it's funny. I guess it is situational for me. I I guess I'm going back to how confidence is built and it's from knowledge. I think when I know something about a topic, I feel comfortable interjecting. And more times than not, I'll have a conversation with somebody And if I'm quiet, it's because I don't know anything on the topic or not Mm -hmm. enough to feel comfortable to say something. But I'll admit that as well, probably in a brash way where I'll say if I'm talking because I know what I'm talking about. I probably shouldn't say it that way, but that's what I do. I'm getting older and I don't care. No, I was thinking about you interjecting. I was like, we've identified as introverts on some level of that spectrum. But so how does that when something you'll be confident enough to break the shell of the introvert Mm. to speak on something. Yeah. Which is definitely where I hang out as well. Yeah. I was, cause I was going to ask you like, how did you just step in and push the barrier? But then you said, when I feel I know, then that's good. I I can elaborate on that as well. I think I was forced to break out of my shell as an introvert where, and and I think there's degrees to being an introvert. Mm -hmm. It used to be where, I wouldn't talk to anybody. A former relationship of mine, an ex, would 
get on my case about walking into Walmart with a hood up and not making eye contact with anyone. That's on mm. more of the extreme version of introvert. Now more, more than likely for me, it's that I can talk to people, but I'm also aware that I'm comfortable being alone. And with my job that I've had for the past nine years, it has developed the ability because it's largely a sales role that I have to go and talk to people. I don't have an option. Mm-hmm. And once you get practiced in doing something, and honestly, my job is to force conversations now, mm-hmm. right? Difficult conversations about contracts, about price increases and these things, the conversations that need to be had. And going back to being confident in your knowledge, I've had to educate myself on all these topics. So when I go in, I'm the authority and I have mm-hmm. to show out that way. But then I can turn around go back to the office and go right back to, yeah, I'm done with my day. I'm just going to go home and be in my own space now. So I, I think that is what has helped me be able to interject into someone's conversation, probably only when I know that's a lie. It's not only when I know what I'm talking about. I have found the ability to go and ask people questions when I don't know something. But I think maybe my desire for learning trumps my introvert ways yeah that makes sense how's that make made you a better husband or communication in your marriage i'm saying specifically what hit me was your ability to learn that in your job so i guess going back to forcing a conversation when it needs to happen i'm able to break out of the introvert mindset of i am i guess maybe almost afraid to speak because I think that maybe was what it stemmed from as a child. I'm now more in a place where if I know what I need to say, it enables me to say those words. If I'm going into a conversation where I don't have an expectation of what the result's going to be, then I'm probably a lot less likely to say anything. So I think more times than not, I'll pre-frame the conversation, how it's going to go in my head, knowing that it will probably not go that way, but Mm -hmm. it gives me the ability to start the conversation when I have played it out in my head already. So how do you, as a husband, when you don't know those conversations are coming, when they're brought up by the person that you love, like, how do you, how do you respond to those conversations? Yeah, that's where my struggle is. And so that, that could be very topical. If It is a conversation that I don't know is coming, but I'm knowledgeable about it and know what my feelings are on the topic already. Mm -hmm. Then it's a flowing conversation. If it's something that I need to think about and form an opinion on or react to because I haven't been thinking about the topic, that's when I tend to get quiet and need my time to speak. And that's only heightened when it's something that triggers like a, a pain or mm-hmm. an anger response, but then it takes me a little bit more time to really process all that. So long story short, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think you've said what I, he- what I hear you saying is it, that growth has helped you when you can, when you know about the topic, whether it be emotionally where you stand or on knowledge, or if it's, I would even send, stem to say something you care about, because then you may have thought about it more and it might've just come out of the blue. But if it's something where you have to dig deep and figure out, then it might not go as you would like it because you haven't had a time to frame how it should go. 
I think for me, it's the same way when I have to feel something out in the conversation with my wife, like it's like a process in my mind that I need to go through these things where she is a fluid processor Mm. um, and can verbalize, articulate all that. So I think my kind of school of hard knocks was just working through that with her just in our span of living together. It was like, okay, I have an example of how it is to like fluidly respond and someone who's very good at that. And it's me who's just quiet. And okay, I need to process this all before I say something because I don't want to say something dumb. Um, And I think it's definitely not wanting to look dumb. And it's really interesting because I think why for me, it's so hard to admit that I'm wrong to her is that I feel dumb. I feel like, how did I not see this? I feel like, why did I even feel or react this way? I know we're talking about communication, but just on my mind of just places where I where I have failed or struggle areas, just like, it's so hard to admit and to articulate that because there's a level of shame to it as I'm just thinking about vetting through feelings on topics and how to communicate that. And it's not anything that my spouse have ever made me feel. It's an internal struggle, an internal expectation, an internal battle. So I think I'm working through not holding her hostage to how I'm feeling about myself and even communicate how I feel, which that's another level of vulnerability that I'm working towards being more consistent on. But I think as a as a married person, you have to give your spouse that freedom to not hold them accountable to the struggles of yourself. Yeah. So, but how do you communicate that to them? I guess letting them know, like, I struggle with this and this is a me issue. It's not a you issue, it's Mm -hmm. a me issue. And then prefacing that when you're admitting that space. I really feel disappointed in myself because I didn't come to the conclusion that you brought. It's a great conclusion, Mm -hmm. but I'm grieving for myself that it it didn't come from me. And it may be a pride issue. See, and the thing is like all, I feel like communication, especially with your spouse, all stems from how you feel about yourself and those emotions. But then it starts to peel back the layers of different feelings and different things. Like, so is that a pride issue? Why I'm mad I didn't bring it up because But knowing that I support her and everything and celebrate all of her good ideas, I don't want to take that away. But then so is it worth saying that I don't like it because it was her and not me? If that cheapens, in my mind, it cheapens her great idea. So it's just, man, too much. So number one, you realize we're practicing right now to be better communicators in our marriage, right? And something that I've been trying to do lately that my wife encouraged me to do is speak as I think Mm -hmm. because many times when we think I'll speak for myself, I'll start in one area and end up in a whole nother area and lose what the topic of the conversation was. And so just as we are now trying to produce this content and we're asking Mm -hmm. questions to each other Mm -hmm. live and we have to think our way through it as we're trying to communicate to each other, is what I try to do now in the space with my wife. And so I have to be okay with saying something stupid because I'm just verbally processing my thoughts. I have to be mindful that I'm not going to say something hurtful. And I have to be mindful that it's okay that if I say something in air quotes stupid, that I can back up and literally do that verbally 
and go down a different road and, mm-hmm. and say, all right, well, you know what I'm saying? I'm hearing myself say this and I can understand that doesn't make sense. So I apologize for going there. And then I try to reframe how I'm trying to say whatever it is, how I'm feeling, right. what my thoughts are. And I think I actually even had this conversation with my wife before that the more I reflect on my experiences in marriage and relationship and communicate those things with you or the guests will eventually have, it will better make me able to communicate with her in the same manner. We even went to the topic that it's a lot easier for me to just go and talk to the boys about my experiences in marriage because it seems Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, maybe a safer place if that's the right way to put it where I'm not going to be like immediately judged on what I say or even that they'll be able to relate exactly to how I'm feeling as Mm. another man. But I know that in my marriage, I should feel safe to say those things with my wife yeah, because that's what my marriage is. She's supposed to be my best friend. She is supposed to have my back in all things. And even though we might not agree on things, which can happen in your, you know, your relationship with your best friend or your male best friend, right? You give them that permission to verbally slap you in the face and laugh at you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's how you've framed that relationship. And I need to be able to get into a place where my wife can do the same thing and I don't get in my feelings about it. Yeah, I was just thinking that it's it's the level of vulnerability that takes place. I, I don't know if it is just being in a, a marriage. It just is different. But I think I'm 100 percent on board with you. We're practicing our communication right here, which is what I love about this podcast is being able to do that and be comfortable. But I think with a lot of times with friends, especially lifelong friends, like you've had that life experience of doing certain things and you know how they're going to respond. And it's those things that you learn within your marriage as well. But if your marriage is early or even your relationship with that, because I think the friendship dynamic doesn't really change. Like someone, date someone, marry someone, mm-hmm. have kids with them, build a life. That is there's different levels of how a friend, you know, how that goes. And generally your friendship hits those levels pretty quick. And then it's just, you go through life things, but there's just a weightiness and a heaviness the deeper you get into your relationship. And I think it might be either, it's definitely because it's a lifelong bond, like you can't, you're not giving up on this, but I think it's just the life decisions that are being made within that bond gives it more weight as well and the level of protection you have. And I don't know why that is, but I don't feel like I have to protect you from anything, but I feel like I need to protect my family. You know what I mean? It's a weird, I don't know if I can articulate it, but I hope it makes sense. No, absolutely. But I think that is what plays, because I was thinking about that too. There is an ease of knowing, and I think it's just knowing that you you won't be judged or as even if a different perspective is given is just received in a different way. That's key right there. That is the the way it's being received. And I think as I'm thinking about it, it it might be the emotional investment in that. I just know that there is not as, or it's not portrayed as much of a emotional response that I'll get from you as from 
my wife or even my sisters or so, someone else that might be of the opposite sex. And it may be the, the projection of or the possibility of what, what might be. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the things that I've learned when I bring it to my wife, it's not always what I expect it will be. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the expectation gives a little hesitancy to bring it up in the fullness of or maybe just I know the way that we look at things is very similar so I can get that response, but it might be a whole different perspective that is brought and I might not want that. Yeah. It's being honest with what do you want when you bring a topic to someone? So I don't even know if that makes sense, but No, it it does. But I feel like if I were to bring a topic to you, fully knowing that you might agree with my thought on it, you still because of our friendship, have that safe space to say, Brian, no, that, that's dumb. And that's how our reaction is going to be. Like, I'm going to laugh about it. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. But if my wife were to say, now, Brian, yeah. that's uh-huh. dumb. I'm going to be hurt. Even if it's for a moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, will, yeah. I know that if, if my wife says that, I'll, it'll be that twinge, but then we can laugh about it. But I don't get that twinge with you at all. So, yeah. Sorry, and so good. where's the derivative that makes that happen? And it might be the way I'm approaching it with you, I can expect any reaction Mm -hmm. and be perfectly okay with it. I think in my marriage, it's more or less, I'm, I might be in a mindset of authority. So now number one, I think I'm right about this and I'm now communicating my thoughts on it. And she's telling me, Nope, you're wrong. That was stupid. I want it this way. But I'm, but I'm the boss. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a dip, it's, it's definitely a different level. Like, why do we put that on our different relationships as husbands? And these are our wives. And but we might have our best friends. Like, it's so deep. Like, why do we do that? Is I feel like there's so many aspects. I think it's like you said, society and like where are the traditional. I'm doing air quotes if you can't see me, but traditional roles as husbands, what we put on ourselves as husbands on how we want to have the best for our family and blah, blah, blah. But even if you bring that same thing to to me, or if I bring that same thing to you, exactly what you said, I can take that as, and we'll laugh about it. Right. Even I get a twinge of, oh man, I was wrong. Like with my wife, I don't know why I feel that way. And it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. But why is it? Yeah. I, I, and I think it's might be because we expect our communications to be perceived in whatever way that is with our wives and in our friendship, we're more open to maybe not even having an expectation of how it's going to be perceived. Mm -hmm. And And so that leaves us more open to whatever the response might be. But in the marriages, we have an expectation that this is what I expect. Therefore, when that's not reciprocated, even though it's okay. That's the thing. It is okay. Yeah. Absolutely. It, 100%. It's, it still hurts in that moment. Yeah. I think we might have to have a di- deeper, uh, deeper dive into this. Yeah. Because I think we're like on the verge of a breakthrough. where <laughs> We're going to open up right. some gates of communication yeah. and we're going to come back to this and be like, yo. Yeah. Everything was okay. Yeah. I figured it out and I can just tell her something and she can react however she wants to. And it's okay. Yeah, I am. I feel like it's 95% there and I feel like I'm blessed to be there. And yeah, it is more so her 
being consistent, open, and not bashing me. You know, she, and she's been consistent on that. So I, I, but I'm worried of why, like now that we're thinking about this, I'm processing through it. Why do I have that twinge? Mm-hmm. Why do I have that thought process? There's been a, just a recent trend on me, like communicating why I feel about certain things. Cause I have a business and we were having a, a meeting and both of my partners, one is my wife and one is another good friend. And they're both very communicative, articulate, and they are type A in, in the sense of conf- they don't mind confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more of a shy away from confrontation, even if it's verbally, if it's bringing something up that people haven't done that I don't like, I have to really fight to do, fight through it to do it okay. while they seem as they're back and forth on maybe different decisions that we need to do in the business. And so just really, I've been reflecting on that and it's, I love them both. I honor them both. But why is it if I bring something in that vulnerable space of business, do I feel like it has to be right? Mm -hmm. Even though we've all been plenty wrong and we've all been accepting of our wrongs, why do I feel like I have to be right or think about it or delineate in my mind? So this is all helping me in my communication with others and trying to figure out why it is. So, yes, this is a deep dive into my life. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. You made me think of recently I brought up some negative things with the boss at my job. And I don't know that I do it in the right way, but this goes back to this book I just finished, I think again by Adam Grant, which I highly recommend to anyone who's listening to this. But he alludes to people in the workplace who are combative isn't the word, non agreeable mm-hmm. is the word. And I guess I reflected and saw that was me. And he's like, not everyone has the capability to to do that, especially in their workplace. But I feel that it is more my obligation that when I see something is wrong and I have an opinion or a suggestion on how we might be able to move forward in the business. And I think I feel that I'm a bit of an authority in the space as well, somewhat because I have years of experience in management, four and a half years now in running my own business. And not only that, but there's a lot of people who confide in me about the the issues that we have at the location. Mm -hmm. And I feel because of that, I have now an obligation to go and communicate that to the leadership. And like I said, I don't know that I always do it in the right manner, which I should probably be more careful about to make sure that it's received in the right way. But then to some extent, I don't really care as long as I'm getting it out there and we have a conversation about it. That is what it is. But uh, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. Confrontation being not agreeable. You feel it's your obligation. I was talking about within my within our company, our small business, just having conversations that are hard oh, or maybe yeah. be confrontational. It's- having that ability to go and have those difficult conversations with people of power, knowing that their reaction to what I'm saying could have a negative impact on my life. I think it goes back to just that confidence that I know what I'm talking about. So I don't think I'm trying to give you advice here. I'm just trying to like reflect on why I'm able to do that. And I think those are the reasons because I, I feel like, number one, it's my obligation. Number two, that I have a responsibility to the people who've confided in me that these things are wrong because I have that open channel with the leadership where if I do bring something to them that will then have a conversation about it and they'll ask me for suggestions. Right. And I typically won't go to them 
with something unless I have a suggestion on how to move forward. And then I also know that they may take the advice, they may not, but at least the conversation was had. And I do find myself on the back end, though, when they don't take the advice, feeling some type of way about it. But, you know, yeah, that's not my business. It's yeah, it's their business to run. So, yeah. you know, I understand that and would expect the same if I were to have that sort of uh, mm-hmm. conversation in my business that like I I took what you said under advisement. Right. And, other factors. That, right. This is the decision yeah. I've made. And I think maybe they don't always communicate back to us why their decision was made, which yeah would be helpful. But that's right. a different topic. That's all about communication. I feel like it's good to know where people stand. Like after you have a conversation like that, it's good to know at least you don't have to give in full, but at least let me know that you considered it and mm-hmm. you just happen to choose to go in another direction. Yeah. So, yeah. That's which maybe I should think more about doing in a marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just if if I'm owning it, that's instant nugget right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, communication is crazy. We definitely tangented off into this, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, we're practicing our communication. So give us grace as we may have rambled on this one, but hopefully it helped. Do you have any other thoughts? on this no I, th- I think we should probably wrap it up and okay <laughs> all right yeah we'll go definitely any further down the we'll rabbit hole right so definitely wrap this one up and yeah i think we'll probably circle back around i think communication will definitely be a consistent topic we'll probably have an episode on communication every season mm-hmm. just because it's that important and hopefully we can get some different perspectives on it and some professionals that have done the research on why we do things some sociologists psychologists any of that but yeah so appreciate that one one final question for you that we'll end with you said communication is so important to marriage i assume a successful marriage would you call it a cornerstone one thousand percent yeah 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 okay because if you if you don't have that then you can't get to any issue Mm mm-hmm Cause you have to be able to communicate your feelings and understand how the other person is communicate their perspective before you can figure out what our collective perspective is. That's just my take, but yeah, yeah. I, I would even maybe go as far as calling it the cornerstone. Now I know your visceral reaction to this and that's going to be bringing God into the relationship. But I think, Communicating with God, communicating within your marriage has to be one, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I figured that's where you're going to go. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that you have to be able to communicate and receive communication for any marriage to work, period. Yeah. So without the communication, God is not going to be there. Because you're not communicating. There's no way for (laughs) someone to be there if you're not having conversations to put them there. So, yeah, it's wise words, my friend. All right. Wise words. All right, man. Until next time, give my love to the family. You do the same. 